Our text is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. I'll read quite a bit of my introduction to this, which will be a little bit longer than a normal introduction, but I wrote it out and I wanted to get it down exactly the way I, I felt like the Lord gave it to me, just writing these things out as, and wanted to share them with you. Uh, just on a serious note, though, uh, we have been married 50 years, and isn't it interesting when you tell people that, wow, didn't know anybody does that anymore, you know. And, and look, next year's salvation, the most important word you give is in your marriage. And when I said love, honor, and cherish, I meant every bit of it, and I have. And keep thee only to her so long as you both shall live. I've kept that. And, you know, we sing the song, it will be worth it all. It's worth it all now. Now, they say the uh, infatuation wears off when you get married, and, and uh, that's all right because the real love sets in. Well, uh, I, I know that's the truth, but uh, I'm still a little bit infatuated with that little girl over there. And um, to be quite honest with you, though, when you learn more about love, it means so much more. And, and so that's, that's the great thing about it. And only in Christ, I know in heaven they're not married or given in marriage, but I think our love for one another will be even stronger in heaven, don't you? Amen. And so I look forward to that. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. <coughs> Excuse me. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now shall we pray. Father, we thank you for the great salvation that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm thankful that each person can come just as they are without one plea, but that thy blood, and it's so sufficient, was shed for me. So I pray, Father, if there's one without Christ under the sound of my voice today, that the Holy Spirit would speak to their heart and bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ. I pray for Christians, Lord, to be not only edified, but to be challenged, to lift the sword of God's word, the Lord's sword, and be a witness, taking a stand and having done all to stand to withstand the counterattacks of the devil, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> we live in a society today that has lost all faculties of right and wrong, of sin and righteousness. It has grown so depraved and debauched, demon-possessed at best, that if ever the whole armor of God needs to be placed on each person, who names the name of Christ, today is the day, and now is the time. Amen. That armor 
will not be worn by the weak in faith and the lovers of the world who love the world more than they love God. Recently, I was listening to one of our radio programs on WTYG, and there was a trio of people that were speaking on the degradation on the campuses of our colleges and universities all across this nation. Each of those people, I believe, have media credentials, and so they're able to go on to there when there's special uh, speeches and things being given in those kind of meetings. And so they have attended several of these across our land. But they were telling this time that they were calling for the powers that be to add Y, the letter Y, to LGBTQ. They stated that the people who spoke were professors. And they felt that P for pedophile should be added because it was natural for them. And they also requested that the age of consent of sexual experience be lowered to the age of 12 as it is in many parts of Europe. Dr. Kinsey, the famous, wait a minute, of the infamous Kinsey Report, taught that we are born sexual people and therefore should not prevent sex at any age. Now, I just reported what some of those things people said, and I got an email that same evening for just mentioning it on the radio and telling me how wrong I was about that and that I should... Preach and straighten it out. (laughs) I'm going to preach it. And I hope somebody gets straightened out. So let's just talk about America here for a little bit. The listener said I should have said pedosexual instead of pedophilia. But the reporters were just giving what they heard in the speeches on the campuses. That's all. The writer said, these attempts have been rejected in the past by those who created the terms LGBTQ. But that doesn't change the request on the college campuses. The writer did go on to say that they had considered at one time adding the letter P, but for polyamory. Say, what in the world is polyamory? Actually, until I looked into this, I'd never heard the term. I guess I'm behind the times. But nonetheless, polyamory is defined as engaging in multiple sexual experiences with the consent of all people involved. Wouldn't that consent then lower the age lower than 12? Think about that. If the child... Consents, it wouldn't be wrong. The writer said they wanted me to tell the truth, to point to people to the truth and the love of Christ. And to be quite frank with you, that is what I want to do. I do want to do that. That's why I use the text 
that was breathed out every word by the very Holy Ghost of God, given to holy men of God to write it exactly, every word as it is in our King James Bible today, the Almighty God breathed it out. It is preserved exactly for us today. And even religious culture, I said religious culture, cannot change the Word of God. Is it not strange that the LGBTQ folks think that their gross perversion is acceptable, but these other like perversions are not? And yes, they are all perverted. Every one. Every one. I did a search. And I found that there were at least 14 different designations for sexual orientations. I'm told that there are over 30. I just found 14 of them just by the limited search I was able to do that were named and described. As a Christian, though, for us, we need to go back to the Bible and find out what God says because... He is the creator. He is God. And he is the judge. And he is the one before whom all men will appear one day. In the Bible, he says in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. For those people that say, well, I don't know if I agree with the Genesis 1 and 2 account. Do you agree with Jesus? Listen to what Jesus Christ had to say, who was God come in the flesh, in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. And he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Isn't it interesting? The one who was in the world and the world and had made the world and the world knew him not. The one with who created that without him was not anything created that was made. Anything made that was made was without him. In other words, everything was made by Jesus Christ. God come to flesh. He tells us that we can trust what Genesis 1 and 2 tells us. And he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall twain be one flesh. Therefore what God had joined together, let not man put asunder. Male and female is how God created, and that's the way it remains. Now, science uh, can do surgeries to change the structure of a man or a woman. Governments can pass laws to imprison godly men and women who counsel people who want to come out of those perverted lifestyles. And they do everything in their power to try to stop it. But none of that will change the fact on the day of judgment. 
Not one bit. The one who wrote me went on to say, at least they were listening on a Wednesday night, praise the Lord. Okay. But they went on to say, we are accountable for every word that we speak. As a preacher, a man called to speak the truth, you stated something that was in no way true. Well, that was partially right because there's no truth in LGBTQ or any of the other letters. There's no truth in the why that some would, would want to add to it on the college campuses. There's no truth in the other 14 designations that I saw. And although I found from others there are more than that, I perhaps if there was a mistake made, it was not giving everything that I'm giving you right now. That Wednesday night, we were teaching on the book of Titus, which we're doing on Wednesday night, verse by verse. And uh, sometimes a preacher jumps on a rabbit trail, and I mention that because I just heard it that day. And I think that we ought to always try to equip our people to know what's going on in this world. But I didn't give all that I should have given that night, perhaps. So this is doing it now. Because I want God's people equipped for what's facing us. I don't want you to be deceived by so-called educated religious counsel. Jesus had to fight that. The apostles had to fight that. And it was always wrong on the educated religious counsel because they would not follow the word of God. So the first thing I want you to see in our text is that the LGBTQ and the 14 other designations I found and the 30-something they say that there actually are out there go under verse 9 of our text. Nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. All of those would fit right under there. Every one of them. Whether there's 30 designations or whatever else. You know what I wonder? They think they're honest. Why haven't they added S for straight? I mean, they must be bigoted and Nazis to exclude normal people. I like turning their language around on them. And by the way, fornication is listed in our text. Fornicators comes from the Greek word pornea. We get our word pornography. It can refer to any kind of sexual experience, whatever that goes on, whether it's even with animals. I mean, it covers, it's a general term that is used for sexual sin of any kind. But I don't want you to miss something here. Grab this. The context. That means... Adulterers are on the same level as all these sins that I've already mentioned. As listed here in verses 9 and 10, all these are on the same level. Whether it's an adulterer, whether it's a drunkard, whether it's a reveler, your sin in God's sight is just as repulsive as the LGBTQ and uh, all the other designations involved. 
Look at our text. He said in verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, sexual sin of any kind, nor idolaters, worshiping anything else besides God, putting anything before God, nor effeminate homosexuality, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, again, all of those other things, nor thieves, those that steal, nor covetous, especially covetous of the things of the flesh, nor drunkards, nor revelers. Now, I want to just say this about that. Drunkards and revelers. You say, what's the difference? Because the revelers are the party in social drinking. Now, sometimes they would get drunk. Drunkards are the drinking people. The revelers are the partying social drinking people. Although they could get drunk because they drank too much at the party. Okay. But isn't it interesting in the same statement there, the Lord made a distinction to show us that social drinking as well as getting drunk is wrong. But it's also listed with these sins that are under verse 9 as being that terrible in God's sight. Just repulsive to him. Let's go on. He says, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. That eliminates a lot of people, doesn't it? Unless they're saved. Unless they receive Christ and they're cleansed of their sin. But God can save them. And they just come as they are. They don't try to change themselves. They come just as they are and they let the Lord change them. And he makes a difference. He makes the big difference. Now people may mock these statements that I've made. It's all right. They're going to regret it one day. But consider what the Bible says in other places. Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well and said, You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with is not your husband. Do you realize that there are many religious people today that would have condemned him and said, That is so unloving. They don't need to hear that. Just show them love. That was showing that lady love. He was showing her need to be saved or she's going to go to hell. Letting her go on to hell by just saying, not saying anything about sin would not have been a good thing. That would have been an evil thing. That would have been the wrong on Jesus Christ's part. And he was never, ever, ever, ever wrong. Never. See, the results that he got that day say a lot differently than what people would say today. They hated Jesus among the religious people. John chapter 7 verse 7 tells us that he testified of their works, that they were evil. That word testified means that he spoke of them, and the works being plural means that he pointed out specific sin. Specific sin. Jesus preached on it, and what happened? The religious leaders of the day, the religious people of the day, hated him for preaching the word of God, to, for naming sin. They hated him doing it as much as some people hate a fundamentalist preaching a sermon like we're preaching today. Now, there's no joy in this sermon, so to speak, unless someone gets saved. That would be the joy. But fleshly, worldly, religious people 
They hate it. They hate it. Jesus is the one who bore in his own body our sins on the tree. He died for the sins of the whole world. The sins that I listed are included. And that's why he says, such were some of you. There are people in that church that used to be that way. They can want forgiven and with a repentant heart, the Lord Jesus Christ can remove both the penalty and the power of that sin from them. That's the Lord that we have. Just as the man in John, uh, the, excuse me, the woman in John chapter 8, she was taken in the act of adultery, in the very act, and they said stone her. But Jesus saved her, but he also said, go and sin no more. Don't continue in that sin. There was a man in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 who was in adultery with his father's wife. We're told that that was not once named among the Gentiles. And I find that quite interesting that it says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Because in Corinth was the uh, temple to the goddess, they called it, Diana. It had over a thousand what they called vestal virgins in this temple. What would happen is they would play a very strong, beat-driven, religious music. I didn't get that wrong. Religious, beat-driven music. And they would do a religious dance to it. It would be sensual, and in time, the, it would end in an orgy. And that's why they had over a thousand vestal virgins. So thinking of a place like that, Corinth, you would think of San Francisco, you would think of Las Vegas. When you think of places like that, that's where Corinth stood. And it said, yet this sin was not once named among the Gentiles that for a man to have his father's wife. Now, it may have been a woman that his father married that was close to the age of the son. It wasn't unusual in that day for a, if a man's wife died that he married another woman and she would be a lot younger. He wanted to have more children. It may be that he already married a woman a lot younger than him and this was his son and that was his actual mother. I don't know. The Bible doesn't make a distinction whether it's his stepmother or his real mother. I would kind of think in Corinth that maybe some of that happened with stepmothers, but not with the real mother. It was not once named among the Gentiles. Awful. Terrible sin. And yet, when he, they were told to put that man out of the church, and they did, until he repents, when he repented. They said, okay, restore this man. He's repented. Now, there are people in the church that didn't like that. 
They didn't want to restore this guy. I mean, that's a terrible thing to do, and it is a terrible thing to do. But the guy got right with God. Look, if we got drunkards, we got harlots, we got all kinds of people in this church that got saved, praise God for it. God's power is seen to be able to save by his powerful blood, his resurrection. Don't be a Calvinist and just say, well, this is not to be saved. They're a pretty good person. Or that person ought to be saved. They're a good person. Let's get them saved. <laughs> no, the gospel's for the whole world. The whole world. Lot was in Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord said if there were ten righteous people, he would save Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot, we're told, was a righteous man. He was a saved man in Sodom and Gomorrah. And his witness could have made a difference if he had been a witness for the Lord. Even his son-in-laws thought that he was mocking when he tried to get them to repent after the angels had come and said, we're going to destroy this thing tomorrow. Isn't it interesting? Maybe Lot did follow the advice. Don't be so unloving to name sin. Maybe he did. I don't know. Consider our text. After he said that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, he gives a warning. It's what we usually miss. Be not deceived. Satan is a deceiver. <laughs> you have these things that I just mentioned on college campuses. You've got people trying to justify so much sin. This is saying, be not deceived. $25 words do, does not make anything right. And he's warning them. Be not deceived. Satan will place uh, religion as in Corinth or like Balaam who deceived the children of Israel in the desert teaching them to commit fornication and then tried to justify it. The old sin that they were had in their life was all of a sudden all right. No, it wasn't. God had saved them out of Egypt. Don't try to live like Egypt. And so, they tried to justify anything they could to make it sound as if it was okay. In this country... There's a tendency to say, well, they were born this way. God created them this way. Or they would not have that desire. You better know for certain that each of us was born with a sin nature. And every one of us were born with the potential to go that direction. Not because we were born to do those things. We were born with an inherited sin nature. But God gave us a free will and we can resist sin. It isn't natural. It is taught by friend. It's taught by media. Some were abused as children. But oh, it doesn't end there. Look at verse 11. And such were some of you. Isn't that tremendous? What a powerful statement. 
And such were some of you. But you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Our God, the Father, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ. You know, the Trinity's involved in your salvation. Think of that. They were washed. How were they washed? Revelation 1, 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? How about 1 John chapter 2, verse 2? And he is the propitiation. That is the payment, the entire payment for all time. He is the propitiation for our sins. <laughs> but don't stop there because it doesn't stop. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Man, that's great. First Peter 2, 24 says this. Who his own self, that is Jesus, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. And that included these things listed in our text today. Yes, they were washed. They were also justified. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, we read this. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Oh, yes, we were justified in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verse 24, we see it again. He says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified. You mean an old, filthy, rotten sinner as these, as myself, can be washed and justified? Oh, yeah. Justified. Wow. In Romans 3, uh, in, uh, chapter 5, should I say, in verse 1, he says it this way. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We could go on and, and, and see some of these other verses. James chapter 2 verse 25 says this. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified? <laughs> God changed her life. And she's in the ancestry line of Jesus Christ. Think of that. But not only that, they are washed, they're uh, justified, and they are sanctified. Sanctified means to be set apart for a holy use. He not only saves those kind of people, he sets them apart that he can use them. He can say, man, I'm just happy the Lord saved me. How could he save such a rotten sinner as myself? Hey, he can not only save you, he can use you. And he wants to. He wants to. That's the great thing. That's why I say, here is hope. He's sanctified. All the sins listed in our text 
Not one of those things are holy. Male and female, Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4 through 6 that we read earlier. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. A husband and wife, the relationship between them is totally honorable. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Ladies, let me just say this to you for a moment. My, my wife has a saying that she says to married ladies as well as single ladies that get involved in sexual activity outside of marriage. It's, it'll seem simple, but it's so right if you think it through. If the milk is free, they're not going to pay for the cow. Think about that. The girl's thinking, well, to get him to marry me, I'm going to have to do this. No. For those that are in adultery, just think, if he will cheat on his wife, he'll cheat on you, even if he marries you. Now look, be true to God, be true to Him, serve Him, love Him. Now I could go on, but I just want to sum this up now in two ways. Number one, since Jesus said that this kind can be saved, and because Romans 3.10 says, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Everyone born into this world fits into this kind. We don't like to say that, but that's true. This kind. And knowing this is the kind whom Jesus died for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then we must witness. We must witness to all kinds. The only hope for America is that Christians get on fire for the Lord and become a witness in their place. Will there be persecution? Probably so. All those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Will it be worth it all? <laughs> it's not even worth it to be comparison to the greatness of the glory that's going to be revealed. Stay true! But understand, if we won't do it, judgment begins at the house of God. If you read in Second Chronicles, what they do? They destroyed the temple. They stole everything out of it. The Babylonians. And then they got the walls and the rest of it. Judgment began at the house of God in Israel. And begins at the house of God in this New Testament era. Having done all to stand, then withstand the attacks of the devil. The number two, you can be saved today the same way that all of us that are saved in this auditorium were saved. 
you can be saved as some of these that were in our text were saved. But if you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, don't waste the fact that God became a man. Jesus Christ, and that he died on the cross for your sins, and he was buried, and he rose from the dead three days later bodily, and he has ascended in heaven to prepare a place for those who will receive him. Your payment's been paid already in full for all your sin for all time, but it will not be applied to you until you receive him as your Lord and Savior, as your God. And today is the time. Now is the accepted time. Won't you be saved today? There's hope. There's hope. Why don't you come? Let's bow our heads, please.